It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Uh, all right. Uh, we got one horse coming in a sec, but next, I guess yeah. this month now, in less than two weeks, we are going to the Greeny Card Show. We are. And I'm hyped about that. Early, you want to tell us a little bit more about the uh, Greeny Collectors Card Show? Absolutely, man. So, Great Lakes Collectors Convention, right? The Great Lakes Collectors Convention presented by Greeny Sports Cards takes over the Fieldhouse in Independence, Ohio. April 14th through the 16th, where the passions of sports fans, collectors, and sports talk enthusiasts like Adam the Bull and my man Mikey McNuggets with no sauce, uh, they'll all be together, 50,000 square feet of ball card bliss, hundreds of display tables, card shop, live theaters with interactive appearances from the region's most notable sports media. Great cards, great location, great show. Tickets on sale now at greenysportscards.com. Mike, how can you get some free tickets? If you go to WKYC.com slash contest, we are giving away a grand prize of four VIP passes to the Great Lakes Collectors Convention, and we are giving away four second-place prizes of a four-pack of tickets. So in total, we're giving away 20 free tickets to this event, wow. four VIP passes. It's going to be awesome. I believe they cover all the days. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I do believe yeah. that's the case. And come hang out with us. It's going to be a great time down in Independence. Yeah, we'll be there Sunday. Are you G- going, Jason, or you're not going? No, we will be out of town. Remember, you? you were making yeah, fun right. of me. And we are going to be out of town. Jason never knows what's going on in this house. <laughs> it's eventually, your wife says, hey, we're going away. Where are you guys going? Anywhere interesting? Just to, just to Columbus. To yeah. We're leaving for Vegas in six and a half hours. Oh, okay. It's his son's just you and the wife, right? No, we're taking my son. He's turned 21. Oh, happy, yeah. Happy, which camera? Ooh. Happy birthday, Alexander. Uh, turns 21 at midnight in 12 hours. Wow. So we're taking him to Vegas for it, a day and a half. Happy birthday to Director Steve. Oh, yeah. Today it's also Director Steve's birthday. Steve's birthday. birthday. That's right. That's Steve right. turned 55 today. Well, no. My son's tomorrow. Steve's tomorrow. today. Steve. Steve, 55? Uh, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> Close enough. It doesn't matter. You're a guy. Guys don't care. While we wait for Windhorst. I don't know. Real quick, we'll wait for Windhorst. By the way, Austin Riley and the Braves had a 473-foot yeah, home a run. Jeez. Uh, getting, for a second, though, uh, getting back to your son, though, are you like are you going to give him like a stipend to bet with every day, or how does that work? No, we're going to give him money for his birthday. Yeah, and, and then he can and, do what, and he what, can what do he will. We're taking his buddy, him and his buddy. Yeah. and Can they go to strip clubs? I mean, you would let him, but your wife might not like that. Th- no, we're. <laughs> I'm getting him into trouble. Don't be getting me into trouble. <laughs> Sorry, no strip clubs. It's but, inappropriate. But because my wife wanted to take him, and I'm like, what 21 year old wants to hang out with his mom and dad on his 21st birthday? Yeah. yeah. So now the buddy's coming. Yeah. And uh, and and they won't be with us the whole time. So. Right. Right. So who knows? Can, I don't think he's taking enough money. If he goes to the strip club, it's gonna be a quick trip. Yeah. And he's not gonna have nothing left to gamble with. <laughs> So. Uh, speaking of birthdays, though, real quick while we're waiting for Windhorst, it is Director Steve's birthday. This you, whole we show. We just said that. No, I, well, let me see okay. what I'm saying. I know. <laughs> this whole production, just so everyone knows, would not be what it is without Director Steve. He does That's an unbelievable right. job. Steve making does this all look. the funny things you see, like when. He, he made you skinny he, earlier. Made, made me skin, well, I don't he know. Made, he made me skinnier. He attempted to make <laughs> he me He blurred the cameras when Gene yeah, had his right, glasses. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrifying. Take that off, Steve. But real quick. Ooh, don't ever show me that again, Steve. <laughs> That even freaked me out. What is your favorite? Well, we got, we got Brian Windhorst here in a second. So, put, until we get windy. 
What's your favorite director Steve moment in the 11 months? By the way, Steve? my killing time has just said we're going to have Wendy here in a second three times within a minute. Let's just call that out because that's what Brian Wintour is coming in less than 60 oh. seconds now. <laughs> I'll keep saying it. Favorite, favorite director, director Steve, moment. Steve moment. Yeah, I like what he said. He, he's never been gun in. here. I had a favorite moment. Well, I'll, I'll go first. And I like what director ahead. Steve said. He'd never been inside a fuzzy animal. That was what I <laughs> that's the first place my mind went. <laughs> If you're not overtime, that was a classic overtime. I don't moment. remember that. Was I not here for that? We played the clip like 75 times in a row. We, the whole overtime was just keep replaying. I would, must have been off that day. We don't have it. Because I don't remember that You would remember comment. Steve saying he's that never been inside been a funny. fuzzy animal. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the funny stuff with Steve is off the air as we've like, because Steve Doesn't is one of the few guys in Cleveland that has no interest in sports. But as he's been part of the show and we've been doing the show approaching a year, we're about 11 months at this point. Yep. Uh, May 9th will be our anniversary. He has picked all our brains about sports, and so he's getting, gaining a little bit of interest. Him and Tyvis jousting back and forth on what a safety is, why they call it a safety, <laughs> why hockey is periods, baseball is innings, football yeah. and basketball is what quarters, was the one that we, college oh, basketball is halves. Wait a second. There was one thing that you tried to explain to him for a while. Oh, spor- has, sports gambling. Oh, the sports plus, gambling. Plus and minus. That's right. He doesn't get it. We got Wendy. No, but it is 12 o'clock, which okay. means our 12 o'clock lunch hour of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show is brought to you by Carlick Racing, yeah. the official NASCAR team of Northeast Ohio. Oh, Steve's brother just called him out and said he's, he's 61. 61. 61. Well, happy birthday, 61. Steve. This would not be possible What are you doing for your you. birthday, Steve? Anything interesting? His brother's here. Yeah, I know, but... I... Oh, you're going to see your mom. All right. 61. Looks good for 61. Yeah, he he's... he's Good shape. Steve, you want to go to Vegas with Jason and his son? (laughs) Are you inviting him? We'll show you a good time. Steve might never come back from that, for the record. (laughs) I have more faith in Alexander coming back from that than I do with director Steve. Come back with me for a day and a half. Let's go go out to Brian Windhorst. We got him. Where is Brian Windhorst right now? Do we know where he is? He was on first take this morning. There he is. What's up, Brian? Brian, where are you right now? Like, What what city are you in? That's for me to know. Wow, that's top secret. Well, Jason, Just, by, by, the, by the way, Brian, Jason, for an hour before the show, was te- revealing all your dirty secrets for about an hour <laughs> off the air. He doesn't no. have, I don't have enough dirty secrets. I haven't had much of a life. He's had, he's the guy who's had the life and has all the secrets, that's which true. I won't tell on this show. I think we know a lot of them. I mean, what percentage of your dirty secrets do we know? Look at what no, it's not. What percentage of your? I don't know. Uh, seven. Probably Bri- very low. You think so? All right, man. I, it's only seven percent. Brian, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Um, uh, I, I got to admit, I am so ready for the the NBA. I, I I am refusing to watch the last three Cavs regular season games because the NBA regular season is too long. Now the commissioner, who I like, wants to add regular season games for the stupid tournament. I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know if they're trying to build Money. off the World Baseball Classic or whatever. Then do it by country. I don't know. What do you What do you think of this tournament? And do you think the regular season is a little too long and it's just time for the playoffs already? Well, look, there, Adam Silver is a big fan of European soccer. If you If you follow European soccer, you'll get what he's trying to do. If you don't follow European soccer, you won't get it. Yeah. I, I, my man Jason has been trying to follow soccer a little bit more. I had to hold his hand at times during the World Cup because he couldn't take the concept of stoppage time, and I get it. I had to cross that, too. And one of the things that happens in European soccer is that teams play in multiple things at once. 
It's like they can play in one competition on Tuesday and another competition on Friday. They can play the same team in the same week in two different competitions, and the game mean totally different stakes. That is unusual for the American sports fan. That's not exactly how this NBA midseason tournament is going to go. They're going to play regular season games, and they're going to somehow matter for the thing. But if you want the honest truth, it's just about money. Yes. They're looking for something else to sell. The NFL has done a great job in recent years of adding things to sell. For example, they added a 17th game. That was a pretty big thing to sell. They added these games in London, so now they can sell games in the morning on Sundays because why dominate Sunday afternoon and evening when you can also dominate Sunday morning? They've turned the draft into a three-day affair. Why have it be two days when you can have it be three? That's what I always say. So the NFL (laughs) has been, been hitting it out of the park here. So the NBA wants to sell something. Specifically, they want to sell something to Amazon or Apple. And this is a nice little package that they can sell to them. Um, And that's what this is about. And they're going to give the players, I think, $500,000 a player if they win it, which is is they're trying to, um, to, to sell them on it. Although there are some players who earn more than $400,000 in an average in an average regular season game. So I don't know how much of it's going to do it there. But that's what it is. And maybe it'll catch on, maybe it won't. They're also trying to get people to care about the NBA a little bit and gamble on the NBA a little bit during the NFL season. This is going to happen, you know, in November, December. I don't know if it's going to work, but that's what they're doing. Is there any chance they can create enough revenue off of this to offset the loss of reducing games in the regular season? Or is this just a money grab of of adding two? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Clearly not, because they're not really reducing games in the regular season. Um, for all um, Adam Silver's exploits, and you know, if the league office heard me say this, I'd get a call, because um, you know they'll say that they reduce back-to-backs and they got rid of the four and five night stuff, and they give the players off more time at um, at All Star. Um, Adam Silver has only added games (laughs) to the schedule since he's been commissioner. He added six games to the schedule with the play-in. There'll be six games next week that didn't used to be there. And for the two teams that play all the way to the championship game, there will be 83 games now um, at at the midseason tournament. So more games have been added. There will be, I guess, some teams might play a slight, like a game less or something like that, but they're only adding games. The problem is, is that Nobody has told the public yet, but the NBA players and teams have already decided that it's not an 82-game season, that it's something less than that. And so some guys decide to start the season, yeah, I'm going to play 70, I'm going to play 65, and if I get hurt, I'll play 50. And so, you know, the, the season isn't actually 82 games anymore. Almost no players look at the season and say, that's 82 games. Um, so it's just sort of 82 games in name only. And... um Ultimately, that's the way it's going to be. And occasionally, you're going to get situations where it absolutely sucks for fans. 
um, where fans get totally screwed over. But the NBA is signaling with its actions that they don't care and that overall um, the um, the the what they think will be more money in national TV revenue, which almost certainly will be the case will offset anybody that they've inconvenienced. And um, recent history suggests, based on their revenue, that they are correct. Hmm. Bringing this back to the Cavs, Brian, in terms of Evan Mobley and his development from year one to year two, making that next step from a good, promising young player to a legitimate star in the NBA, has anything you've seen this year made you flounder or, or waver on your thought that he could be a legitimate centerpiece on an NBA championship team? Well, the thing about it is, is that they're not asking him to be a high-level scorer. And because of that, he probably won't be a high-level scorer. If they don't need him to average uh, 20 points a game, he won't because they're, 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 they've built their offense around the two perimeter guards. And so, yeah, he doesn't score as much, but they don't ask him to score as much. So he's never going to be regarded as a superstar if he doesn't probably you know, have a, be a 20-10 and 10 player. And so if you're only going to base it on the scoring, then he hasn't quite come around. He also isn't, you know, I'd like to see him develop that uh, outside shot. If he was a more of a corner or wing three-point shooter, he would really help out uh, Donovan and Garland because they are guys who need space. Um, but when you watch him play defensively, he plays like a 10-year vet. Um, some of the stuff that he can do uh, in terms of um, knowing angles, knowing spacing, um, you know, the ability to challenge shots. I mean, almost nobody in the NBA challenges shots the way Evan does. And it's not just his man. The way he can get out and challenge shots, the way he finds ways to challenge shots while also remaining in rebounding position. And then, of course, you have his ability to switch. You know, it's a real basic concept. Um, I, I, I kind of even roll my eyes when people talk about pick and roll defense. Um, because I feel like it's X and O stuff that the average fan doesn't really care about. But when you can send your big man out and he can switch onto a guard, which means that you can defend the three-pointer, and he also is quick enough to stay with him and recover, like it, you can't find those guys. And he does it at an age 19, 20. So he's got the potential to be an all-defensive player in the NBA for a decade, and that is super-duper valuable. And if he doesn't score as much because your guards are killing it, then that's fine. Um, uh, I do think for the Cavs to get where they need to go, he's become a little bit more of a potent offensive player, whether that's in straight um, plays that they run for him in post-up situations or to create space. But I think he's had a very strong sophomore season. He's probably going to be on the all-defensive team and um, definitely trending towards what the Cavs thought he could be. Brian, um... The Cavs are, you know, unless something weird happens in these last week, are going to probably play the Knicks in the first round. Cavs are going to have home field advantage. Cavs and Knicks just played this weekend. The Knicks beat them. Uh, even without Julius Randle, they played very well. Jay Crawford is off today. He and I were arguing about how much the regular season means. He, he basically changed his opinion on the Cavs-Knicks series because the Knicks beat them. I feel like the regular season is meaningless when it comes to predicting in the playoffs. What, what do you say to that? Yeah, generally there's there's a hundred different um, there's a hundred different things examples of the regular season not mattering as much. I mean, the Cavs better hope so. The Knicks went three and one against them. Yeah. Um, the the thing about uh, you know a playoff series, uh, the Cavs have more top end talent. 
Um, and that always matters or almost always matters. And, you know, Donovan and Garland and Mobley and Allen are probably all going to be playing 37 to 43 minutes in these situations. And it's a good thing because the Knicks bench kills the Cavs bench, mm-hmm. kills them. In the last two games, the game on Friday and the game in December, the Knicks bench is like combined like plus like 40 on the Cavs bench in those games uh, in terms of scoring, in terms of the score. Uh, Emmanuel quickly, um, probably going to be top two for the uh, sixth man of the year. He's killed the Cavs this year. So the Cavs are going to need Karis Levert to produce off the bench, and they're also going to need their starters to to, to play really good minutes. Um, You know, when you look at the Knicks, they have some of the similar challenges that the Cavs have. Their lead score is a small guard. And so you he needs space to operate. And sometimes the Knicks can get it to him, and sometimes the Knicks can't. Sometimes the Cavs can get Donovan space. Sometimes he's got to be Superman. So I am expecting a long series with some incredible individual performances and where you see both teams' strengths and weaknesses absolutely on display. Um the Cavs bench is going to be a topic of conversation in this series without question. And Donovan Mitchell is going to be a topic of conversation in this series. I mean, one thing that's been going on, JB has basically had the luxury of being able to prepare his team for the playoffs for the last three weeks because they've been generally healthy and they've been in generally in good spots in terms of their standings. He's been playing his guys more and more minutes. It's one of the reasons why Donovan keeps scoring 40 points because he's getting playoff level minutes. And he is, he looks to me, I don't know for sure, but he looks to me like he's past those nagging injuries that he had around midseason, playing at a very high level. Uh, Evan Mobley's playing at a very high level defensively. Um, they're going to be in position to, to win this series, but it is going to be rugged. This, I, this playoff situation kind of sets up, reminds me of 2005, the first uh, LeBron playoff, um, when, uh, or was it, yeah, 2000. 3, 4, 4, 2006, the first LeBron playoffs. They played Washington in the first round. Very intense six-game series. Um, Gilbert Arenas and LeBron kind of throwing haymakers at each other. Uh, LeBron had a last-second basket, I believe, in Game 5. Um, uh, Damon Jones, you may remember, hit the basically like the game winner in Game 6. But games that came right down to the end, and the Cavs just had more top-end talent and won. And then they go play the number one team in the East at that time, Detroit Pistons, and they have a very competitive uh, seven-game series where the Cavs' warts were all on display and their strengths were all on display. That's what I think could be headed for for the Cavs, a rugged first-round, intense, high-stress first-round series that they win. Then they play the Bucks in the second round and probably get sent home, but hopefully um, score a couple of points and get um, you know some momentum going forward. That's the kind of postseason that I think would be ideal for the Cavs. You know I died a gruesome, rugged death on the Mike Miller Hill in, <laughs> in 2015, insisting Mike Miller was going to win the Cavs a playoff game. Mike Miller was going to win the Cavs a playoff game, and it never happened. So I'm climbing up the hill again and saying Danny Green is going to hold a role somehow, some way in this postseason. Am I about to get shot to death again, or do you think Danny Green can help this well, team? He hasn't even played. I mean, I know. you know, and now he's, you know, I'm getting a little nervous. Now he's been out with non, <laughs> you know, with health and safety, which I think is code for COVID. I don't know for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they have to, you know, the thing about JB, I know people like to take pot shots at JB. JB 
is coaching this team like a team 90s. And guys, it works, okay? It works because their personnel favors big and favors defense. So he plays Allen and Moby together a ton. He plays Isaac Okoro the most minutes out of all of those options because he's his best defender. And they play with two small guards that they try to sort of create like they were Allen Iverson. Um, and that's that was how you played in the 90s when, when his dad was you know a coach in cutting his teeth in the NBA. And that's the way the Cavs are probably going to play in the postseason. But it's also because he doesn't have a lot of options. Dean Wade hasn't been good since he hurt his collarbone. Danny Green hasn't been an option. Ricky Rubio has not been good enough. He doesn't trust Jetty Osmond enough to play him because he thinks he screws up on defense more than he helps on offense. So he has elected to go to this sort of defense first, second, and third set. And as a result, you have the number one defense in the league, and you've got a probably a 50-win season here. But they are going to potentially pay the price for that when they need baskets under pressure. I think that's going to be their downfall. And so if you did have Danny Green, if you had some sort of, you know, slider to that, you know, defensive wall, it would really, really help. And, you know, I mean, it, it could just as well be Jetty Osman who does it. You know, he has a game where, he, you know, you go back and look at the games this year where Jetty's been hot. It makes a massive difference. They look like a completely different team when Jetty gets four or five threes in there. It would be amazing if they had somebody who could play that way. And the reason that Danny Green's so tantalizing is because, in theory, he can defend and hit threes. He's exactly the type of player that the Cavs need, but he's also just a year off in ACL, has barely played, has barely played for this team. So, like, Jason has been around long enough that he can envision a situation in the second half of a game where nothing's working, and JB looks down and goes, all right, Danny, get in there. And Danny comes out there, and his, you know, his rings rub against each other as he comes out on the court. <laughs> and he hits three threes in the first six minutes of a fourth quarter and gets a couple of stops, and the game goes from nine down to two up, and then Donovan Mitchell carries him home. Like, yeah, I can see that happening. But, I mean, it's hard to say that it will when the guy has barely been on the floor. And if it, when it does happen, I'm going streaking through the quad. There you go. And Jason's <laughs> thighs will be rubbing together. <laughs> Instead of the rings, thighs, you know. Brian, I, I got a question. You're a horrible <laughs> human. Yeah, that's, that's terrible visual. I apologize. But <laughs> a good visual, one that I, I, we couldn't have you on and not ask about this. I want to bring you back to last summer. And you're on first take. And you become a viral meme for a, a, a double point. And I know you don't talk about when you talk about the Utah Jazz. Uh, I think it was after the Gobert trade, prior to the Mitchell trade. My journalism professors are going to hate this. Prior to the Gobert trade. Prior to the Gobert trade. Uh, my journalism professors are going to hate this question because it's a two-part question, but they go right next to each other. A, can you walk us through that moment? And as Stephen A. Smith always says, when you're cooking, you know you're cooking. So did you know you were cooking in that second? And B, when you pointed up, did you know that was going to be a meme? Was that intentional <laughs> attempt to go viral in meme not. sense? <laughs> Of course not. First off, it was Friday of July 4th weekend. I think July 4th was on either a Saturday or Sunday last year. So good. The entire ESPN operation was off on that day, okay? I know the basketball is a big deal to ESPN, but you not, you, you know that it's not that big of a deal because during the, the uh, free agency week, like, everybody's gone. Stephen A. was gone. Mike Greenberg was gone. 
Molly Kiram was gone. Chris Russo was gone. Like we were down to the third string on first take, which is why I was there and kind of had that, that rhythm. And that's also why they let me cook on a Utah jazz topic in the A block of first take. <laughs> Good luck going to, to, you know, to get up, which, you know, you know, I was looking for football 365 and me yeah. pitching a first take in the area uh, Utah jazz in the A block. That's number one. Number two, I knew that the Jazz were this close to trading Gobert. Um, and uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and I had gone down the path the night before, and we just couldn't get it confirmed. They obviously didn't have the deal um, finalized. And no kidding, it was a, one of the biggest trades in terms of asset changing hands in the history of the NBA. So it was a complicated deal. But I had a very good idea that, that uh, Gobert was going to get traded. And I already knew there's a pretty good chance Donovan Mitchell was going to get traded. And I could see that the team was probably, um, was probably uh, going to do a massive overhaul. Their coach had basically walked out on them because he didn't want to go part of it. Um, And, you know, on national television, people just don't talk about the Utah jazz, but part of my job is to know what's going on with all the teams. And I could see what was going on. And there had been this trade the day before and that, Royce O'Neal trade, which was basically a signal of what was happening, um, happened like six minutes before Kevin Durant's trade demand became public. Like literally the news came out within 10 minutes of each other. So nobody knew it. And so there was just this, this storyline sitting there involved potential two stars getting traded that was not being discussed. So all of those things had to come together. The other thing was I had done my podcast the night before where I had basically done this same routine and I liked the way it sounded, and so that kind of led me to a um, led me to a uh, um, you know sort of a dry run on it. So yeah. the other thing is I I'm, I've said this before, and I I'm it's people think it's a joke, but it's serious. You know the chairs that we use on we don't have good chairs like you guys have. The chairs that we have on these studio shows are all high chairs, uh. and the backs are no good. You know, it's like designed to make you sit up with your shoulders back and chin up and everything like that. And they're all high chairs. Well, at first take, they have the best chairs because Stephen A gets everything, gets the best of everything. So the, the <laughs> chairs at first take are really good and they are strong enough that you can sit back. And so you can't do that thing unless you can sit back. I wouldn't sit back on another show because the chairs are funky. And so yeah. I know it sounds wild, but part of it, was that the chair enabled me to sit back and do that plus they have <laughs> they have all kinds of cameras that you know that's it's it's like it's in the round they don't we don't have cameras that are high on other shows that had a high camera so all of those things came together and if it hadn't been a holiday weekend i don't think it would have mattered because something else would have happened but it happened yeah. on a friday and everybody was messing around and it was a happy time in america and i just got lucky and i got no bonus out of it no no extra money whatsoever. <laughs> Brian, last thing, this is the most important question. I know you got all you got your expense accounts or whatever, but if it came down to it, you're having dinner, you, Jason, Joe Varden, Dave McMenamin, throw Rachel Nichols in there, whatever you want to do, who would be, and you got to pay for things yourself, there's no uh, network backing you up, who's most likely to pick up the check, who's least likely to pick up the check in that group? Varden is definitely least likely. Definitely. <laughs> um, Wow. Th- Joe is always trying to get other people to pay for his wine. <laughs> that is something that has been going on for a long time. 
Joe works very, very hard. I mean, I don't know if I should just, what's the difference? Like the thing is like when Jason was at the Akron Beacon Journal, like he was such a king there that they just didn't care about his expense account. <laughs> Whereas true. like they didn't, tr they didn't trust Varden yeah. at all. at the <laughs> And so like, you know, and the thing is Joe likes wine. Yeah. And you know, like, how many bottles of wine the Akron Beacon Journal bought Joe Varden? I have no idea, but it is in the triple digits. Countless. Oh my God. It is in the triple digits. Was, wow. Was, and, was, and that's just the reality of it. Probably yeah. in that situation, you know, Rachel would have the most money. I will say this like, our group, um, we had an incredibly amazing four year run when LeBron was in Cleveland covering yeah. the Cavs. Um, uh, and we had great memories. And I can remember the night before game seven in Boston, uh, before the Jeff Green game, well, you'll remember the Jeff yeah. Green game, Uncle Jeff. I mean, LeBron was like absolutely dropped, dropped dead amazing in that entire playoff run. But And LeBron was great in that game too. But the reason they kind of got over the top in that game was Jeff Green. And we knew there was a pretty strong chance that, um, that uh, it was going to be, that LeBron was going to leave. We, we, yeah. we felt pretty strongly about it. We, we couldn't say it because he never knew for sure. And we thought there was a chance the Cavs were going to lose to the Celtics. I mean, it was a road game seven, right? It was yeah. hardly a strong of the, of the four Cavs teams. It was the weakest team. So we had a dinner where we basically toasted the last four years, the night before that game in Boston. And um, I promise you that Joe did not pay for that wine. <laughs> Was when, was no. Brian in the picture that you showed us of Varden on the roller coaster? Was he part no. of that, that contingent? No, okay. no, no, I wasn't there. A, Do you know God. the picture we're referring to? Of, of course, course, it's famous. <laughs> it's famous in Cleveland media circles. It hung in the Cavs practice facility for a number of years. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah, man. yeah. They blew it up to like life size and hung it in the That's practice awesome. store. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. We appreciate where it. Is now is uh, is uh, where that photo that the Cavs yeah. hung up in their practice facility is now is is a mystery that will forever remain unsolved. It's collecting dust somewhere now. It's it's hidden away. I think it's been burnt. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right, buddy. <laughs> Uh, Thanks, man. We Brian, thank it. you so much. Oh, oh have a good day. Gosh, that was funny. I could have done an hour. Like, do you agree yeah. with him? Uh, before we do that, tell me about some Call of Racing. There, Don't forget Earl. the 12 p.m. lunch hours yeah. brought to you by Call of Racing, Cleveland's premier racing team. Yeah. There is so much that we didn't even get to. Yeah, so much. We had 25. Like, I wanted to ask yeah. him about LeBron and the Lakers. I want to ask him about Ime Odoka and where he. Well, if he ever wants to come back, we, you got oh, the yeah. connection. Like, Hopefully, he, he had fun. So, by the way, do you you agree with him on the Varden thing? Joe's actually gotten better okay. since he got to the athletic, but that's a hundred percent. So what's funny is um, Chris Haynes yeah. sort of put Chris Haynes expense is when he was at the plane dealer, right? Right. Forced the policy <laughs> that like there is a strict limit of, uh, of I think it was forty dollars a day they were allowed to spend. I got gotcha. you. And when this is pre-athletic, when I was at the Beacon. Forty dollars right. a day for food? Yes, that's not a lot. That is not a lot. On the road? On the road? Yeah. Forty dollars a day. That's yeah, a big like in New York make, City. It's like you make maybe food it was for sixty, but I think it was forty. Yeah. Still, I think it was forty. And this is a few years ago yeah. before prices exploded. But still, yeah, forty. And when I was at the Beacon, like he's right. Like I, no one never questioned me on anything. I just do whatever I want. So Man. I did. I think <laughs> I got forty for lunch traveling with the Batavia Muckdog twenty-five <laughs> years ago. Yeah, Brian Allen. No, so, we, we could have done. An hour. I wanted to ask oh, if the MVP yeah, yeah. race. This is the closest MVP race 
maybe in the last 40 years in the NBA. Oh. And he's a, I think he's a voter. We have to so. make fun of Joe. That's much more important. And I, and I did want to hear the, the meme story. I'm glad he gave us a little yeah. credit. Yeah, that was great. I yeah, knew yeah. it was a Friday when the B-Cast was on. Yeah. And he said the C-Cast. Give himself some credit. But what? I didn't know he did a dry run on the podcast the night before, which yeah. allowed him to in the chair. Whoever would have guessed that first shake had the chairs that you could actually sit back on. The one story that we didn't get a chance to get to, it's hilarious. We were in, it's, the, it's that dinner he was talking about in Boston when yeah. we, we knew it was over. We, we just, if you were around that team at all, you knew, you knew it, was, it. it was done. Yeah. And we had the big dinner in Boston. And he and I and Joe were walking back, I think, after that dinner. And we were in the uh, Little Italy district of Boston walking back to okay. the, uh, the Marriott uh, Long Wharf. Beautiful hotel. That's where you guys stayed at? Yeah, we all stayed at Long Wharf. So it's a short little walk. We'd walk back. And Brian, on the streets in any sports city, it's like Taylor Swift. It's like walking with Taylor (laughs) Swift. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Except, like, the guy version. And these guys are losing their minds. Yeah. That Brian, and they don't know me, Joe, like, whatever. Yeah. But Brian Winter, like, they're going crazy, (laughs) screaming at him, waving at him. They're trying to get pictures with him. And Brian, like, we get back to the hotel and Brian's cracking up. He basically said something that effective. Well, if you guys like guys, I could have hooked you up tonight. <laughs> is, is he a tall guy? Brian? Yeah. No, no, no. He's like my height. But just. He's very recognizable. Looking. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. And his face was on TV. Yeah. And ESPN in particular. And all the and time. And yeah. one of the genuinely nicest people. Yeah. He, one of my favorite people. I yeah. went to, I, we didn't get a chance to get into it. Like we went to college together. Yeah. I don't know if we talked about that on the show he went right to now. Kent State? Yeah. We had you class together. Yeah, we were all there at the same time. Me, Mike yeah. Polk, and, and Winhurst what were class? all at Kent at the same time. That crew. And Brian and I had a couple classes. Like It was like an 8 a.m. news design class. And I remember telling professor, like, listen, I ain't ever going to be here by 8. I'll do my best to be here by 8.45, but that's the best I can do. <laughs> Jason's like telling the teacher his plan. Oh, yeah. At 19 years old. Oh, yeah. And, and, and he was, and the professor loved me. Carl Shearhorn, the only reason I made it through college is because of you. And Carl was like, yeah, whatever. He lets you get away with it. And, and it was like a two-and-a-half-hour class. Yeah. It was one, one oh, those, my God. And I always joked, like, Brian went to class, and I didn't. Yeah. That's why he's at ESPN, and I'm not. <laughs> I didn't even tell Brian that he was in my stand-up routine. I don't remember. What was he in? Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The joke the, about you. Yeah, yeah the yeah, flaming right. me part. Yeah. yeah. You can't never, I mean, you, you should never, you should have never taken 8 a.m. class. Uh, that's that's. But you had, you had to. You had to. It was, oh, it was part only of the offered. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was like the only time it was offered. But yeah. just a tremendous, tremendous guy. One yeah. of my Hopefully favorite Hopefully we get people. him back on. Yeah, He's great. yeah we probably will. He's, he is fantastic. A wonderful, wonderful guy. Awesome. All right, in about 30 minutes, the regular show will end, and then we will begin overtime, and you can be a part of it if you're not already there, Earl. Attention all Cleveland sports fans. Are you tired of missing out on exclusive content and behind the scenes conversations? The Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show has got you covered. For less than $2 a month, you can become a Starters Tier member. You get custom emojis and badges that other people don't have. Or upgrade to the Big Time Coaches Tier. For less than 5 bucks a month, you get all the exclusive overtime content, things that those other suckers are not getting. Don't miss out on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show experience. All right, become a part of it with overtime. I'm kind of missing my full beard. I don't know yeah. what I'm going to do. Oh, like, you want to set I'm up this next topic, by the way? This was your... So, like, me and yeah. Mikey have been going back and forth about this. Yeah. And, Jason, I'm curious to know what you really think. I feel like... Uh, well, the question is, basically, is Donovan Mitchell having the best single season ever in Cleveland Cavaliers history? Mike says no. I'm leaning towards yes. Better than any LeBron season? I said yes. emphatically. As soon as he sent me the what? text... No. 
I said, absolutely yes. not. I said, outside of LeBron, maybe we could have the conversation. But if you include LeBron, there is no People chance. People be so scared to include LeBron in these comments, man. Ain't nobody thinking about LeBron. Donovan I Mitchell having a included. better year than LeBron? Le Donovan Mitchell already has four single-season Cavalier records in his first year. What are those records? Most three-pointers made in the season. He's the first Cavalier ever to score 40 points in three straight games. He has the most 40-point games in a single season in Cavaliers history. And he scores 71 points. I never seen LeBron I don't James think do any of, that. of those. To me, none of those really matter. Those are like anomaly things. That doesn't. That doesn't. None of those prove a great season, except for except for the most three pointers. That's that's a change of game and he's different right. play style. But. Even in the last five to six, seven years, the style of the game has changed so much yeah. in the NBA. Right. With scoring going up yeah. and everything else. No, absolutely not. There's no, just no. I mean, LeBron has two MVP seasons. LeBron won MVPs. And he was eight-time All-NBA first team eight different times in Cleveland. Donovan Mitchell's not going to be All-NBA first team, is he? He might not be All-NBA any team. Right. Well, I mean, Joe put him on his ballot for first team All-NBA, but I, I don't really? think. Really? Yeah, but I don't think. But Don, I, he probably doesn't. But Donovan it. Mitchell's not even in the conversation for MVP, nor should he be. Donovan is a wonderful player. Wonderful. Fantastic player. But he ain't LeBron. But he's not in the, cl the class of. No. Of greatest of all time. So let's parse this out from what Earl said and, yeah. and make it the best non-LeBron season in Cavs history. And I do think you have a legitimate argument to be made that Donovan Mitchell is having the best season for any Cavalier in the history of the organization, not named LeBron James. I mean, I suppose probably right there. It's like, yeah. I'm, you know, I'd like to make a case for some of those eighties teams, but it's such a different game. Yeah. It's hard to compare. The numbers you can't, it's, you can't. So I, I went back and did the research. What about Kyrie's best season? He was third team all NBA once. Mark Price was third-team All-NBA four times and first-team All-NBA once. In 92-93, Mark Price was first-team All-NBA. And you can see the difference in numbers based on the era and the style of play. Yeah, right. That was a first-team All-NBA. It's the only time a Cav has ever been named first-team All-NBA who isn't LeBron James. He did it eight times here. 18, eight assists, 1.2 steals, and they had almost identical true shooting percentages between the two. What Mitchell's done offensively is unmatched by anyone not named LeBron and Kyrie outside of one season. He's... Obviously, the number one option. Kyrie was never the number one offensive option, so it's not apples to apples. But what Mitchell's been doing this season is, is straight up silly. Offensively, his scoring efficiency, how many times he's gone off, and especially when they needed it. As Windhorst said, they struggle to score buckets when it's late yeah. in games because they just don't have a ton of space. Uh, and Mitchell's the only guy who can really put an offense on their back and carry them through these stretches where they yeah. do struggle to score. I, I thought I don't know why I thought the question was best season without LeBron. Well, I, and while I think there's competition, I do think this is probably the best season by a cab without LeBron. Uh, but I don't even think it would make a top five LeBron season. I counted eight seasons I'd rather have from LeBron than. LeBron. I mean, yeah. he was here for eleven, so I could yeah. probably give you nine or ten that I would take over 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 Donovan. I mean, and that's no slight on Donovan. Like I don't want to. No, you know, but I don't, like, don't want to make it sound like I'm down on Donovan because I'm not. Donovan at all. does nothing better than LeBron. Earl, defend your Except case. Shoot threes, I guess. Because well, first of all, Mikey wanted to lead LeBron out. I wanted to lead LeBron in. I don't know yeah. if you all notice or not. I'm not afraid. So don't be afraid. <laughs> no. All right, you so make you, your argument. Yeah. You gotta I, have LeBron in there. I just feel like this. Yeah, you could say LeBron won two MVPs. Yeah. But I've seen Donovan Mitchell do something, a lot of things in a single season that I've never seen LeBron do in the same year. And that's not to like take anything away from how great LeBron is. 
I never seen LeBron score 71 points. Fact. I never seen LeBron score 40 points three straight times. I never seen him score 40 points 12 times in a season. I never seen him lead the team in three pointers made in a, in a season. It's just a lot of different things. And, and again, right, but again no, my argument, Earl, is that none of those things, except for maybe the three pointers, are those are those are one game or a couple of games. That doesn't. That's not a whole season. LeBron, like LeBron. In terms of making players around you better, it's. I, I mean, you tell me, Jason. I don't think it's ever. even close between LeBron and Donovan. The Mitchell. amount of money LeBron has made for everybody else yeah. on his team like dwarfs what he's actually made. I, I did a study on it a few years ago. Yeah. It's insane. The one I'll give Earl was the the seventy point game. I've never seen a single game. Right, amazing. In the regular but that's season, not a season. I've that's, never seen yeah. anything like it. Amazing. I'll give that his one performance to, to in that game. You want is one of the greatest performances ever. But LeBron, outside of three-point shooting, I guess, LeBron does everything better than Donovan. Is there anything else Donovan well, Mitchell is better than LeBron? So this is Mitchell's only season, so I'm going off this yeah. season in Cleveland. He's averaging, yeah. what was it, 4.4 assists and 4.8 rebounds, pull up his season stats real quick. LeBron never averaged I don't think LeBron those. averaged under those ever never. in 11 seasons in no. Cleveland. And he averaged almost, uh, he averaged over double nine assists that, once. pretty much, most seasons. Essentially double. It's, I think it's 4.9 rebounds. Yeah. But, like, in totality as a basketball player, for everything he does, I mean, I, well, I sent it out as a non-LeBron season because I thought it was if crystal he, clear. If, if LeBron wanted to score 40 every night, he'd score 40 every game. Every game. He could score 40 in 82 games. If he didn't get hurt and didn't have foul trouble, I absolutely believe he could score 40 points in 82 games if he really wanted to. Like, that's how good he is. Bigger, so stronger, think, faster than everybody else on Donovan the floor. You don't think Jason? No. No. No, I don't think he can. And oh, I think he's that Donovan's got to make his shot. He can't take the ball to the basket like LeBron. I mean, he's good at getting to the rim, but he's not, not at LeBron's but, level. But yeah. not like LeBron, no. Yeah. He, he can't LeBron dominate brute, physically LeBron like LeBron. LeBron is just brute strength. Yeah. It's just brute strength that gets him to his spots. And, and Donovan's more quickness. You can take some of that away at times. I mean, again, I don't want to make this sound like we're crapping all over Donovan because I'm not at all. He's, he's not crapping over Donovan. Year. He's just not, doesn't belong he's in conversation the, with LeBron. LeBron. Well, it's like if we take LeBron's the best or the second best basketball player that's ever walked the face of the earth. So, yeah. when you take him out of the equation, it changes everything. When you're comparing even someone who's having a great season to the greatest potentially ever. Yeah, it, no. it's, it's, it's Donovan tough to Mitchell's having a magnificent season, but let's see what he does in the playoffs, by the yeah. way. That's all that matters. The regular season doesn't mean crap. Nobody thinks highly of James Harden. Why? Puts up huge numbers every year. Doesn't do anything in the playoffs, yep. so nobody thinks of him as an all-time great and player. And Donovan has had tremendous playoff experience. Right, but he's, he's never got awesome in the playoffs. Has he even gotten to a conference final? Not a conference no. final. No. no. But so, he did single, but he essentially had, single-handedly beat that. And now that was the bubble. Yeah. A little different playoff scenario, but he... Well, let's see. Let's see him, let's see him carry this team over a Boston or Milwaukee. Yeah. That's what LeBron That'll do would it. do. That'll do it. Yeah. If LeBron's on this team instead of Donovan Mitchell, they're the favorites to win the championship. Absolutely. Yeah. So Even you all think is. best non-LeBron season ever, second best Cavalier single season ever. Is that what I'm hearing? No, not single best because LeBron. No. I said second best. No, well, well, I think there's like eight LeBron seasons that I think you'd take over. Yes. Mitchell. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I I mean, I, I think it's close. You know, Kyrie before LeBron had no talent around him. As much as I'm, as much as I'm sick of Kyrie, I mean, how do Kyrie at his best and Donovan at his best? Who's better? Donovan. I'm taking Donovan. Okay, I take Donovan. Donovan at his best and Mark Price at his best. But again, it's so hard to compare that. It's different positions. Like I've said this before, it's hard when you're a point guard. You have so many responsibilities. It's hard when Kyrie never got assists like a point guard. No, but it's but I know, but it's Chris Paul is sort of the exception. Yeah, but it's really hard. My belief. If your point guard is your best player, you're going to struggle. It's tough. You're not going to you're not going to have a ton of success like deep playoff runs, right. championships. Isaiah Thomas, the last one, Steph right? Curry. Well, Steph Curry. Yeah, I and mean, look at all the talent around Steph. Yeah, yes, yeah. he is their best player. Yeah, but look at all the talent that they have. Yeah, yeah. Isaiah. Yeah, and he had Joe Dumars. I mean, yeah, they had a couple of Hall of right. Famers. But too. but when when you're so point, it's not impossible. But when you are so point guard reliant and so heavy on that spot. The role of the point guard, there's so much more involved than just that's why Donovan can just take the ball and attack, take the ball and attack because yeah, right. he's got Darius yeah. to, to handle some of that other yeah. stuff. Earl, I'm going to go through some LeBron stat statistically at least. And I don't remember all these games. Obviously, I was a child. But know what you know about Mitchell this year. In LeBron's second season, he averaged 27, 7.5, and 7.5. And take the that Second season in the NBA. 27. 20 years old. Yeah. 27, 7, and 7.5, and essentially. That's, that's just absurd. His next year, he averaged 31, 7, and 7 again. 31.5, 31.4 is his career high points per game. <laughs> his next season after that, 27, 7, and 6. So he took a step down. Season after that, down. 38, and 7. Season after that, 29, 8, and 7. Season after oh that, his final season in Cleveland, 37, and a half and 9. <laughs> so, like... It's insane. I mean, it's it's insane. And, then, and then he comes back later in his last two seasons in Cleveland. He's 27 and a half, nine and nine, and 27, nine and nine. So like, I, I think the question is, are LeBron's 11 seasons the 11 best seasons in Cavaliers? What, it, no, it, Mitchell's in the top 10. I'll give Earl that. It, Mitchell's it, absolutely a top 10 And season. what's hilarious is by the time LeBron came back a second time, he didn't give a damn about the regular season. He yeah. didn't care about the regular didn't season. Didn't care. Didn't care. Right. Yeah. At all. Like said multiple times, man, I don't care where we're at. I don't care who we play. I don't care when it's we irrelevant. play. It's irrelevant. It didn't just, matter. Just get me in, and I'll do the rest. He Did knew he was going to win the East. Again, or, yeah. they stopped in the middle of the season when got drunk in Napa. Like, yeah. that's how little they cared about the regular season. Wait, fill me in on that. I, I remember oh, vaguely, talk- but I don't. Oh, yeah. They stopped. We're on a West Coast trip his last year here, and they stopped the season and went and got drunk in Napa for a day and a half. So we went with them and got drunk in Napa. <laughs> For a day and a half. Did like, Varda pay for that? He did not pay for that. No. No, he did not pay for that. <laughs> and, and like, oh, that's a great story. And Isaiah Thomas was, like, trying to come back from the hip and everything. And he was so mad because they would never practice because they were getting yeah. drunk. <laughs> so they had to, like. Isaiah so, Thomas here was such a disaster. So, oh, it's, you, <laughs> I, such I, a I disaster. I forgot he was here for a second. So they had to, like, stop drinking and sober up and go, like, find a gym in California and go practice. <laughs> that's so So funny. Isaiah could get a run in because he was trying to. Oh, it's. Oh my it's, God! It, that that whole season was amazing. But did he, LeBron ever buy did. you dinner? No, never. No, we never. We, Does LeBron pay for anything? No. Did you see like his tweet the other day about yeah, like he, he's the, he's he about was, to lose his blue check because he's he, not paying for Twitter which, blue. Which by the way, which, I ain't paying for that crap. I was the one who paid for it. You paid for it? Yeah. Oh, shame bad on job you. out of you. Yeah, What's bad job out of you. Why? Because for what? 
For what? Well, he does promote his podcast. Anyway. I pro- that's how I promote my podcast. All right, fine. Well, you, you know? can go right ahead. I am not paying for that crap. Neither. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.